0: No pain, no sales. So we have to understand this very clearly. If there are no pain points, the sales will never happen in tech sales. That is why it's important that we craft the different value proposition for each specific targeted persona within our ICP criteria. I think I had consistency. And you know, consistency pays off in the long run. That's probably one of the formula for for my early success. Always keep prospecting, you know, always be prospecting. I think that's a mindset that successful SDRs need to have, you know, because once you stop prospecting, you will feel the pain in the coming weeks, for sure. Why is a multi-channel approach so important? If one channel is not performing well, there are chances that the other will performing too. And they somehow think they need to be perfect. And I said, you don't have to be perfect. You know, nobody is perfect with cold calling. You know, this is a, a skill that you master over time. Always share and always give more than you get. You know, I usually say, give, give, and don't expect anything to get in return. And the miracle will happen when you don't expect anything in return. Hey, hey,
1: welcome back to another episode of the podcast. So today we have a very interesting guy that I have come to admire and enjoy talking with over the past months um i've got srba markovic here um he is a team lead currently and running the, the SDR team over at Tech robot we're going to hear more about the company why srba was uh, was so interesting for me to have a chat with is because he's somebody who stepped into a, what is usually a very early um not early stage but like um early for in a career like a, an, an entry-level position um, he stepped in in his well a bit later years, and that's always uh, fun to watch people with experience how they excel in uh, in uh, IT companies in uh, in the startup world in tech sales uh, in specific. As well as um, I want to talk with about, about specifics of how they're growing their company, how they're using the uh, how they're using sales and outreach strategies for their GTM motion. Um, and how they're winning in their market. So without further ado, uh, Serba, I think I, uh, I gave a little bit of a tease, but maybe you can uh, introduce yourself and we can kick it off.
0: Yeah, yeah. What a, what a great intro, I have to admit this. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me on uh, uh, this interview. I am always happy to share my experience and ideas when it comes to tech sales. Hopefully, I'll bring some value to this conversation
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm confident in, in the things that you know, and that you do. So uh, maybe you can uh, give a quick, um, little overview of, uh, you know, your background, you can, I think you come from a more of a B2C style yeah, of sales right. and stuff like right. that. That's um, right. and just like, how did you end up in tech sales as an STR in the first place? And then how have you grown into a,
0: into a leader? I mean, it's been, it's been a great, uh, great and crazy journey at the same time. You know, losing job some 15 months ago and like uh, having family with three kids and like housing loan, uh, It's not a pleasant thing, to be honest. So I just, you know, decided to take care of my own destiny and I start, you know, just investing heavily in myself, learning everything there is to know about Excel's so i was you know just watching podcasts you know following great folks on linkedin uh, reading different uh, tech sales books uh, at that time i also um, uh, took one good sdr professional certificate course it, it took me almost like a 3 months to complete so i was really invested heavily to get the job, and finally there was a great opportunity at the deck robot, and I got my first what they call entry uh, entry role as, as an SDR, and that's a bit weird, you know. Uh, becoming SDR at the age of forty two is usually not what happens. Most folks are around twenty or twenty five years of age, and here I am ending at this role at at uh, forty two. So. Obviously I was not best with call calling. I was not best with crafting sales messages. My LinkedIn outreach was not that great. You know, I was not active at the time at LinkedIn and I almost had no personal brand as they call. So I was really not good, not 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 even close, you know. But one thing that I keep saying to all guys, and somehow I that made me stand out from the crowd was consistency. You know, being consistent, you know, hitting your numbers day by day, building your pipeline day by day, talking with your account executives, uh, uh, asking for feedback, uh, doing account search with your account executives, uh, sharing best practices with, uh, with top performing SDRs. Really, I wanted really to talk with top performing SDRs and really learning from these folks helped me a lot. And even though I was not best in any of these, let's say, main channels, multi-channel approach that we use, I think I had consistency. And, you know, consistency pays off in the long run. So that's probably one of the formula for for my early success.
1: 100%. I love that. And I, I actually love, uh, we. I mean, consistency is a very... A common topic on LinkedIn, like, Hey, can you keep posting even when you don't like to, or you have no ideas what to post? Also, can you keep dialing and, you know, doing your cold outreach when you don't feel like it, when you're feeling down and consistency is the hardest thing I think to um, master, but also brings the best outcome, especially like I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to let you, let you speak, but it's like, um, uh, what Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett always say, which is like, you know, um, continue, continue compounding because like the compounding vehicle is what makes you the money, not, not, you know, the, the big
0: break, the crypto yeah. stuff
1: and, and all of that. So, uh, what are your thoughts?
0: yeah yeah actually going back to warren buffett i like to say you know one of his favorite quotes is probably like don't put all eggs in one basket mm. and it has to do a little bit with consistency part as well you know like why is a multi-channel approach so important mm-hmm. if one channel is not performing well there are chances that the other will performing good for example now we are facing this uh slow sale season you know with the holidays and the summer breaks and like emails are almost dead, right. and there is this seasonality, and I think most of SDRs are probably below the quota, even though it doesn't look like that, just reading post on LinkedIn, it seems that everybody is above the quota, but in reality, it's not, but that's another story, and really uh, uh, doing multi-channel approach and also working with a multi-accounts at the same time, in a consistent way is something that pays off, so completely, Agree. Once again, I keep. You don't really have to be perfect, you know. I keep talking with the new SDRs. They they reach out to me more often. and it's so cool that pretty much every day on my uh, DM, I, I I have some other some questions from new folks looking to break into tech, and they somehow think they need to be perfect. And I said, you don't have to be perfect. You know, nobody is perfect with cold calling. You know, this is a, a skill that you master over time. The same goes with the email prospecting or crafting your sales messages. But really the consistency, a self-discipline, you know, a clear workflow that you're gonna have. So each and every day when you show up at your work, is that eight o'clock or nine or 10 a.m., you really have to know what 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 you're gonna do for the day. You know, like what are the accounts that you're gonna go after? Are your all leads, all leads ready? Do you have their emails? Did you bounce test them? Uh, do you have their mobile phone numbers if you're gonna do cold calling? And you know, just do uh, time blocks. We know the cold calling war- works, best in the morning and afternoon. So having the workflow, the discipline, the system, and with the consistency, I am sure you're going to do just fine in SDR role. No question about it.
1: I I love that. No, I I think that's an extremely powerful message and uh, a lot of people forget it. And also, I mean, this isn't human nature, but uh, when we hit a little bit of success, we feel like we can slow down. And that, I think,
0: is... Uh, that is the issue. problem. Yeah, and once, exactly. if, you, if, nice you don't, if you don't keep building your pipeline, like for a week or two weeks, it seems things are going well. You keep getting demos, but, you know, those are the demos. For example, I, I booked one demo last night, I think, but it came from my old outreach. I know uh-huh. it wasn't my effort that I was putting, like, uh, last couple of days or last couple of weeks. And it happens, but, you know, ABP, Always keep prospecting, you know. Always be prospecting. I think that's a mindset that successful SDRs need to have, you know. Because once you stop prospecting, you will feel the pain in the coming weeks for sure.
1: A hundred percent. I felt it on my own skin, uh, yeah, working with yeah. my own clients as well as on my business. Whenever I kind of take take the foot off the pedal, it it doesn't it doesn't create one effect like month or two months down the road so a a very very strong message there um i want to talk about deck robot and what the company is all about what's your kind of size or or whatever the position on the market that you're currently in what are some goals that you're kind of trying to achieve um, like whatever you can share yeah, um, yeah that, sure, that would be sure. that would be awesome to understand, like who are, who you guys are selling to. I don't, and stuff yeah, like that. I don't
0: I don't think there are much secrets. Uh, hope my management won't have any issues with that. But you know, definitely Deck Robot is uh, is using uh, generative AI for PowerPoint presentations. So what we do, we are a Microsoft uh, uh, add-in that turns uh, hundreds of raw slides into enterprise ready slides in really a couple of clicks on. So, you know, that really saves so much time uh, on mundane repetitive tasks. We mainly go after uh, big four and other major consulting companies. I have to say those are usually very big consulting companies. Uh, We go after decision makers. So we are in enterprise B2B sales. And what we do, our tool uh, can save hours and hours that those folks spend on mundane tasks so that they can really do what's the most important and that is, you know, working with their clients, providing value for their clients and, you know, really putting more proposals and making more money, money at the end of the day. So, um, you know, we really want to do the branding, the resizing and formatting uh, on hundreds of PowerPoint slides within really a seconds, not hours. Mm -hmm. And so we really saved, you know, probably we can save some six to eight uh, hours per week per user, which is, you know, considering the hourly rate of consultants is, um, I would say, a big money. And that's the use case that we are trying to promote. Uh, Considering, you know, as I said, you know, maybe a bit as you probably expect, you know, with the the enterprise uh, sales cycle, they usually like uh, last. Probably somewhere from six to nine months, I would say. And uh, our annual contract value is around 100 or uh, 150K. That's, I guess, pretty much normal. We usually run um, trial periods for uh, several months before full full, uh, rollout. I think we usually don't do the the pilot because it's hard to measure KPIs and customer expectations. Mm-hmm. So we usually go with trial periods before before main rollout. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's pretty much yeah. Got it. Yeah,
1: uh, it's it's um, so let's recap. It's a it's an enterprise product. You're basically helping um, well the biggest consulting companies in the world, I'm assuming Four, MBB and, and all the others that, that kind of fall into that bucket um, to save a ton of hours per user per week. Yeah. Um, you're doing enterprise sales. And for everybody listening who's not familiar, you've got like, let's say, three three different stages of, of the type of like sales that you can do. It's like enterprise, which is yeah. selling to these big accounts and it yes. usually like uh, spends a lot you spend a lot of time uh, closing those, those deals but those deals are, are like 100k plus uh, in your case like 100 150 um, you've got your mid-market which is usually like you know quicker a couple of months three months up to let's say maybe i don't know six months i don't know like it's it's yeah. really fluid and it's you know it's uh, a bit less expensive and you've got your smb so small to medium businesses yeah. that are just like up to i don't know like a thousand yeah. or yeah uh, yeah the people who and you're like selling you know a couple of 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 a
0: thousand dollars or euros per year contracts yeah, which is that yeah you made you made a great a great breakdown of these uh, let's say different different le- levels uh, i mm. think it's maybe it's obvious for us but i i understand it's not obvious for everyone and just really understanding your ICP and targeted persona is so, so important. And uh, I think if usually people uh, uh, ask me, like, what is one more crucial thing with the tech sales? When you enter, when you break into tech sales, what is probably the most important thing? What should I lo- learn first? And I keep saying to young folks there, you know, just invest your time in really understanding your ICP and what nice. are your potential buyers because you can have you can be the best with cold calling you can craft really good sales messages that convert that drive prospects attentions but if you are going after folks uh, uh, who have no pain points that your solution can solve it seems like a waste of time and you won't be successful so i'm i'm really glad that you make this uh, uh analysis of, of different markets because like the the icps and personas we go after in all these three three markets are completely diff- different and no exactly. wonder why our uh, enterprise sales cycle lasts six some, sometimes even nine or maybe even 12 months it's frustrated it requires uh, many different follow-ups we engage different groups of people a different group of decision makers along the line and then the legal alignment it alignment shareholder alignment they are so different different stages uh, until we finally get the deal signed and we start having the paying customers, which is exactly. the most important at the end of the day, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I love that you brought up ICP, as uh, I 100% agree with you. Which is, and, and so for everybody listening, ICP or your ideal customer yeah. profile, it's a it's a jargon for um, for for well, uh, like B two B sales and marketing people. But basically, it's your ideal 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 um, ideal profile for your uh, yeah. Clients and basically what it what it helps you realize is like what kinds of companies am I looking for, right? What are their criteria? What are the pains that I'm solving for, or rather, like who's the persona yeah. that I am helping? Is it like the CEO, or is it uh, I, I don't know, like you guys are probably selling yeah. into I don't know, partners, or or like maybe even uh, standalone consultants. I I don't know what that looks like. Probably yeah. not consultants, but um, and then like yeah. um. Figuring out what their pain is, and then crafting the messages to 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 solve those pains, right? Does that look like something something like you guys are doing anyway? I mean, that's
0: great. You know, obviously you've done a good job. You know, I know previously you're as SDR, so you know all your words are 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 true, and I can just confirm, you know, understanding ICP and really. Based uh, so uh, within within your ICP, right? There are certain uh, targeted personas, mm-hmm. right? Those are groups of people that are most likely to buy from you, you know. Yep. And those folks, they have some problems that uh, potentially your solution can solve. I usually say to people, there are no tips and tricks in tech sales. You know, most of us come from traditional sales. It's more like transactional sales where we. As experienced salespeople could probably play a little bit, you know, use a little bit of psychology of sales and really convince our buyers that the product is really something they need. In tech sales, there are no tips and tricks. No pain, no sales.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So we have to understand this very clearly. If there are no pain points, the sales will never happen in tech sales. That is why it's important that we craft the different value proposition for each Uh, specific uh, targeted persona within our ICP criteria. And, you know, we have this very extensive uh, six week onboarding uh, program for our new hires. And like, you know, like after first week when new people get to learn about company, about the different themes, about our product features, competitors, and all this stuff. Next, second, probably, and third week we spent uh, making sure they understand the, our ICP and our targeted persona, that is Everything. how important that thing is. Nice. And then from week four, five, and so on, we do, you know, the, the outbound strategies and multi-channel that we use, and we do different workshops and really mm-hmm. teach them about the uh, sales skills they need to have and prospecting skills, mainly. But like ICP, it starts with ICP and probably it ends with ICP. So that's how important it is to understand. I, I love that. out this. Yeah,
1: so that, that is extreme. Like that's, that's literally the, 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 the number one thing. Like, for example, okay, you know, you're, you're talking from a perspective of running an STR team inside of a B2B company that's already significant in size, but even in early stages, maybe even more so in early stages, it's, uh, it's crucial. For example, when I start uh, working with founders or, or their sales and marketing teams, well, the literally the first thing, even if they think they know their ICP, that's the first thing that we go over. So yeah. like, who are you going after? You know, what messages are you putting in front of them? How are you reaching out to them? Or how are you creating content for them, whatever? Um, are you actually addressing their pain? Because like uh, a wise man said, if there is no pain, there's not going to happen a, a sale. Absolutely. And that is, there's a hundred percent truth. Um, speaking of of, of of ICP and personas and like, okay, you mentioned, um, you know, consulting companies. Can you break it down? Uh, what, are, what are some of, let's say, I think you guys have a couple of, uh, of, of ICPs or, or, or a couple of personas yeah. that you're going yeah. after. Can yeah. you kind of dive a little bit deeper
0: into that? Yeah, please? yeah. Okay. Probably that would take the whole interview you know just to talk <laughs> about you know ICP as I said uh, during our onboarding we probably spend several uh, several weeks on ICP and persona exactly. but if i'm going to make let's say the the, the simplest uh, uh, breakthrough that would probably be we go after big 4 as i mentioned so those are consultants So one group is like a consultants, you know, folks that work with uh, uh, multiple clients within multiple industries. Mm -hmm. And uh, they really they really have to put so many PowerPoint presentations for all these different clients, which includes uh, rebranding, uh, resizing. They really have to make all these nice and uh, uh, you know enterprise-ready PowerPoint presentations. So uh, probably consultants are number one. And the second group is a marketing or usually a con- big consulting company. They have a marketing or design team, mm-hmm. usually a little bit like junior level guys. Who do a little bit of this uh, supporting work for the for the big guys, for the consultants, right? So uh, one group is probably the consultants, them, uh, consultants themselves, mm-hmm. and the other group is like a marketing and design guys. Okay. So uh, uh, and you know those guys they have a different needs. You know, the the, 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 uh, the marketing team, they want to make sure that the, the, the branding and the alignment around branding is all there. So they want to kind of make sure that the, the message is consistent throughout all uh, PowerPoint slide decks. And then consultants, they want to get their job done. You know, they want to turn these raw slides into enterprise-ready slides and without really wasting time on a repetitive and usually boring tasks. So when you take a look at these two groups, consultants and this marketing or design team, you uh, usually junior guys, they have different problems. Mm. They have different problems. You know, marketing and design guys, they don't have enough resources. They are like 10 or 15 guys that are uh, pr- making all these PowerPoint presentations for maybe... Uh, 50 or even 100, if not more, consultants. So Mm -hmm. they are always uh, out of resources, uh, they don't have enough time, and they need to deliver certain quality. So obviously, we are saving time for them, and the way that we craft value proposition for them is completely different than this other group of folks that are more consultants, They want to uh, produce more proposals for their customers because uh, more proposals drive more revenue, right? And they want to spend time on what uh, matters the most, you know, the content itself not the PowerPoint presentation, do they look good or they don't look good, you know? They don't want to bother with those things. Yep. It's for them, it's boring. It's a mundane task that is killing their time. And you know what? The consultants we work uh, with, um, I mean, I guess I can share that their hourly rate can be as high as 2000 bucks, if not higher, you know? Yep. So if you yep. save three, four, five hours a week, times four weeks a month, you are saving 10,000 10, 10, or fifteen thousand a month per one single consultant. So you understand the the, the benefits that that, that I'm, they are looking at. I yeah. do, I do, and I bet I they, try, they understand. I try to be short, but the the, the idea is that for every for every uh, targeted persona, so the 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 group of people, there are certain pain points that uh, a specific group of people have and they are our value proposition that is addressing every specific pain Mm points. That's how we break down our ICP and personas.
1: Brilliant, I love that. Um, And and the reason that I'm very focused on this part, and I really wanna dive a little bit, even a bit bit deeper into how that understanding your ICP uh, rolls into your, well, GTM strategy or sales strategy. Like how are you, taking what you know about your icp the pain that they feel how are, how are you turning those into call scripts into email campaigns and how are you distributing like the the target market across your sdrs
0: yeah so maybe yeah maybe i can say a little bit about sdr structure and how yeah, we please. execute uh, strategies Without really uh, going uh, deeper into strategies and the channels, but we are at the moment we are a team of eleven outbound SDRs. So Mm -hmm. we are uh, pretty much hundred percent focused on outbound, which means call calling, call emailing, and call cold outreach. And uh, yeah, the funny thing is about I think you mentioned the playbook. Uh, uh, You know, I remember when I when I got to Deck Robot, there was almost like no. Playbook or wasn't really complete, so probably one of the first time, first thing I did when I when I became SDR uh, team lead was to craft our new playbook because I think playbook is very important because it really explains um, what are the What are the KPIs? What are the expectations for new people? Like, how do you execute outbound strategies? When we talk about emailing, like, what platform are you using? What tools are you using for uh, data enrichment tool, uh, uh, sales uh, 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 enablement platforms like uh, uh, CRM? So, like, uh, how how do you book the meeting? Um, What's your daily activity volume? So, how many emails do they need to send? How many Call calls should they make? What time should they be doing call calling? Uh, so the playbook is a document when you really want to explain pretty much all your sale processes to a new to a new folks. And I find this very important. I probably cannot stress enough the importance of having a complete playbook. And you know what, guys? Once you craft your playbook, don't think it's over. It's never over. You that's know that's the beginning. Yeah, it's a beginning when I look back at the deck robot like six months ago. And today we are like completely different uh, different companies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also probably collected uh, several um, funding rounds in the big time and we are growing, we are expanding. We'll probably talk more about some VP roles that we are seeking at the moment and what are our plans for future. But like as you grow, as you develop, uh, things are changing. You know, The SaaS sales is probably the fastest industry in the world and things change what worked six months ago or a, oh, a year sure. ago probably does not work anymore and that's fine. So you need to keep what I usually see in orcs. They have like outdated playbooks that they still use. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you read that book, you say, you know what, that doesn't really reflect what you guys are currently doing. You know, why don't you update this? Why don't you change? You know, so I think having the playbook is very important, but also updating it periodically is also important. Um, uh, Considering our geographies, um, I mentioned, obviously, going after big four and major consulting companies that uh, leads you to U.S., uh, North America is the most dominant, is the strongest market financially in any sense, and headquarters of Big Four and other major consulting companies are there. So U.S. is obviously our strongest point, our main focus for outreach. But we also do uh, Europe, like Dach region specifically, Germany, Switzerland, uh, uh, there are some other countries within U- European Union and UK, obviously, being very good ones. So probably those are like four or five geographies that are most dominant for us, most important. Of course, there are others, but maybe not that important to mention at, at this moment. I yeah. Agree. And then, you know, then we end up with the probably SDR and account executive collaboration. I would probably like to say. Uh, Uh, You know, one thing when I turn into like SDR leader, you know, like uh, you are individual contributor, but now you are a team contributor. So Mm -hmm. you don't really worry about yourself. Uh, Did you hit your numbers? How many emails did you send? How many cold calls did you make? The LinkedIn outreach, all this. But you really have to make sure that your team is successful. Mm-hmm. you know and me being uh, 42 at the time I entered in the tech sales it really helped me because um, obviously I had several managerial roles in past so this helped me you know some people ask me is it really I don't think it's really normal to break into tech with Uh, 42, and then four months later to get promotion to the SDR team. So I don't want people to have this, I don't want to say illusion, obviously it is possible, but I probably think that promotion take place in 12 months or maybe 18 months. That would probably be a normal, normal, uh, uh, let's say, career progression. But, you know, me, I came obviously with some other experiences, empathy. I think EQ needs to be higher than IQ, right? Uh, Especially when working with people, my main job was to make uh, my SDR team successful. Uh, Also having MBA degree, you know, you're not going to see that on my LinkedIn profile unless you scroll down and then you see I have also MBA, which is... For those of you who know, it's a quite demanding two year, sometimes three-year business program. So I did learn all the time. I gained new knowledge. And SDR and account executive collaboration is a crucial for driving revenue in every, in every organization. Mm. So let's be very clear about this. Mm. My SDR team can be as successful as they, as they want if we don't have a support or if we don't support our account executive team, it's most likely we're not going to be successful. Yeah. So I usually try to uh, collaborate with account executives uh, asking for feedback. We mm-hmm. do together account search. Mm-hmm. We ask them, you know, like uh, to provide feedback. We watch their recorded calls. So we we have one on one on regular basis. I also um, uh, motivate everybody to have a weekly calls one on one without me being present, so that they can really not just beca- not just work as a colleagues, but really become friends. Because yeah. more they start understanding each other. At the end of the day, we want to bring qualified opportunities. Exactly. that's the goal for both. Yeah,
1: I, I, I don't want to. I don't forget asking yeah. this question because yeah. this is this is a huge huge sticking point for a lot of companies that uh, bring on. AEs, they've been doing, for example, founder led sales, they had a couple of SDRs who were driving meetings. Now the founder needs to first of all, let go of, you know, being being the salesperson, they need to let AEs do their jobs, which yeah. is, you know, hard enough. But then, yeah. um, especially in this remote world, um, these functions tend to silo themselves, not just sales, for example, from marketing. It's also SDRs and AEs, and they work in separate flows, which is a huge pain because so much money is left on the table. SDRs don't, like you, you, you nailed it. Like when, when SDRs and AEs talk with each other, you know, there's, there's synergy. But when yeah. when they don't, SDRs don't know what the AEs want and what they value. Yeah. AEs are like, Yeah, my SDRs are wasting my time and nobody's benefiting. So, what my question is how would you make sure that either somebody in your position, so, you know, sales, SDR, AE managers, directors, whatever, or for example, founders in in similar uh, stages, how would you make sure that those silos either don't happen or are as much mitigated as possible? I mean, okay, you've mentioned, you know, making sure they talk to each other, but like, you know, could you could you elaborate that a little bit deeper?
0: Yeah, that's that's probably going back to a VP VP of sales role, mm. and uh, I would probably think that that is the guy who is responsible just to make this uh, smooth transition, right, from SDRs who are hanging off the deals and account executives. Hopefully closing these deals and really VP of anything, not just sales, carries uh, high expectations. <laughs> but what I often see, uh, I mean, let's not get it wrong. You know, like uh, sometimes I see VP of sales, they they are expected to close like 10 million uh, revenue and uh, 50 or maybe even 100 million revenue and. Uh, uh, leadership has a, a high expectations of VP of sales. But I think VP of sales is really about recruitment mm-hmm. and about making uh, this uh, sales processes running smooth. SDR account uh, collaboration is one of them. And maybe even the most important one. And also forecasting, you know, VP of sales should give some numbers and what are the expectations, how many deals, what's the conversion rate and, you know, and those kinds of things. But it's not like usually they expect somebody who will step in and in the next two or three months, you know, they will close like 100 million uh, revenue, which is really, I don't think that's the main job. And you know, what I read I think it was even yesterday, uh, I read somewhere that uh, a, a chief revenue officer in a start uh, startup companies last less than two, two years only, mm. mainly because they are unrealistic sales expectations, so unrealistic sales targets, and companies change directions so often This new guy cannot adapt Mm -hmm. and somehow he is forced to leave Mm -hmm. because of these unrealistic expectations and these uh, 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 directions shift from time to time. So, you know, working in the SaaS startup, you cannot really expect that you have all procedures in place like. They are usually, there are no playbooks, there are no procedures. You know, this SDR account collaboration is not ideal one. So I really want to make sure that new people that are thinking of joining SaaS, that's fine, but then they have to understand, do they really want to go to the startup? Or maybe they want to more reach out some established tech companies? Because in a startup space, don't expect things to be perfect because we are still figuring out, we are struggling with our first customers. We are still developing procedures. Uh, I can uh, say you know, a few de- uh, details about that robot. We, we recently hire a VP of HR of people, right? Um, VP of product. Uh, uh, we are now seeking VP of um, account management and uh, customer uh, success. Uh, so there are different v- uh, VPs, you can guys check uh, you know, check on our website or, or, or please uh, reach out directly to me. So I will be more than happy to connect any, any of you guys who might be interested in, in VP positions. And so, yeah, I mean, we have to be uh, uh, really clear what are the expectations. So sometimes I think we expect too much of VP and going back to your previous uh, question, uh, about the SDR and EA collaboration how can that make smooth it's a challenge it's a mm-hmm. challenge you know i don't wanna you know give some uh, different opinion it's a challenge uh, i see it's uh, working pretty well at tech robot so what we do we really have this uh, weekly one on one meetings with our account executives we do account search together so before deciding to outreach, some accounts, some companies, we come to a mutual agreement. We check the leads, if if there is a good number of potential leads that really fit within our ICP criteria. So we work this together. We we ask for feedback on a daily basis and we somehow try to keep account executives as a part of our team. We are Mm -hmm. all together like the part of sales team, but I think, you know, we try with the weekly meetings and even daily meetings, we sometimes, for example, I, I can give you this. I just, I'm very proud of this actually. You know, the account executive who hired me, a deck robot, some uh, year ago, you know, I just crafted the new sales message with this guy last night. You know, so we sat down together. Uh, we had some issue. Uh, you understand that emails are almost dead like during summer. Like mm-hmm. nobody, nobody really opens the emails, they don't read. So the respond rate and open rate and reply rate is kind of low. Mm-hmm. So we are doing way better with the call calling and LinkedIn outreach at the moment, uh, voice, voice prospecting, video prospecting uh, 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 together. But uh, at the moment, emails are not good. And we were trying to see, can we really uh, craft the new sales message with a new value proposition for US market specifics? Mm-hmm. And I was really working with one, uh, with one of account executives and few of my top performers uh, performing SDRs to craft this message. So I think right. that's important because then this is the product of our collaboration. And then we want to push execution together. Mm-hmm. So it's not us or them giving us something, you know, uh, as, a, as a ready-made, but it's really us crafting it together. So when it comes to execution, both parties are really to push forward all the way. I love that.
1: So, okay, let me let me recap what you yeah. said. Basically, uh, you're saying one manage expectations. What in which stages is the VP of sales or a CRO actually needed, and what their job is mm-hmm. not? Their job not is not necessarily to close business. It's more to. Create processes, procedures to put people in places, yeah. to put butts in seats, and to make sure that everything is running smoothly. And so that's like just managing expectations of who is supposed to do what. So from what I'm what I'm hearing, it's probably better for somebody who's more early stage to yeah. hire AEs rather than uh, uh, you know, or maybe a hands-on you know manager, whatever who's still yeah. doing prospecting, but not hire a VP of sales, who's more of a operational role an admin role. And I, I don't want to belittle the yeah. uh, great VPs of sales yeah. out there, yeah. but like prioritize. The second yeah. thing um, that, that, that you're saying is basically make sure that it's a joint effort. Make sure that it's like we're doing this together and just create activities that um prompt people to feel like they are the same team so team so SDRs and AEs they're doing things together Versus in silos. Did I get yeah. get that recap? Correctly? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. For example, I can also add that like every fr- every Friday, Friday afternoon, are usually like we do several team meetings, like all hands meeting, all team meetings, and you know, very interesting. So we just chat about different product updates, releases. So every department brings up like what are the the, the most, let's say, uh, important happenings from the previous weeks and things. Like so that's one of the things that we do on the Friday's uh, meeting, we analyze SQLs. So, um, uh, so let me just um, uh, provide a little bit more content on this. SDR job is obviously to book meetings, but we want to book the qualified meetings. So account executives, he goes on the call. And if the lead is good, it's a decision maker, it is within our ICP, it has budget authority, there is a clear need, and there is a clear use case, he converts this demo to what we call SQL. SQL is a sales qualified lead. And, you know, the, the bonus structure for our SDRs is really around the SQLs because this is what brings value to, to, to do the company. Exactly. SQL doesn't mean that that deal will go all the way, right, and close, and, 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 closed and we, we start getting some money, but it's a good sign that the, the SDR did a great job uh, identifying really a, a best uh, uh potential lead that really fits within our ICP criteria. There is a a, a, a budget, he's in a budget authority stage, a clearly decision maker, uh, clearly there is a need for our product and uh, it's a really qualified opportunity. So Mm -hmm. so from qualified meetings, we go to qualified opportunities. So every Friday we analyze each and every uh, SQL. Why did it convert to SQL? so we check the uh, icp persona going back to the beginning of our conversation we check about the titles about the roles we check seniorities we check all these elements that really make this person great fit for our product mm-hmm. and then uh, account executives gives a little bit of explanations why this demo went so well like what, what made him qualified, so that all other SDRs get to learn from this. This is a very good way and it gives a transparency in the way SDRs and account executive collaborate together so that we don't want to really accuse anybody why my demo did not convert to SQL, because we know we are getting some bonuses at the end of the month You know, for like certain number of SQLs. And, you know, we just have this transparency and we learn so much from each other on these Friday calls. So that may be one thing. And going back to VP of Sales, let me just not forget that uh, Deck Robot is currently seeking the VP of Sales role. So maybe that's a good thing. We had uh, previously, uh, this guy decided to leave, it was like uh, April. And ever since we were like working together, like SDR, uh, leader, with uh, with account executives, with the support of our leadership, obviously, mm-hmm. we were kind of running the business without VP of sales, but at the moment, we are also looking for a VP of sales, so guys, whoever is interested, you know, um, to wants to talk more, get some more details from me, please do feel to reach out, and also, I will connect you with the right people in uh, in my company.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I definitely encourage, uh, and I, I actually forgot to tell you this, but like, this place is actually
0: the, the right place to call out some vacancies yeah, and hopefully sure. We should, Yeah, we should support each other. You know, exactly. Stefan, don't forget, you know, uh, when I uh, was about to break into tech, you were probably one of the first guys that I, I reached out, if you remember. You know, I oh, had yeah. a call with you. Uh, I said to you, hey, Stefan, I am just about to break into tech sales. I pretty much don't know anything about this industry. Are you interested? You know, for a short discussion. And I remember going on that call with you. You gave me some useful tips and tricks. And yeah, I was watching your podcast, all episodes, pretty much each and every night. And this really helped me. So we really need to support each other. That goes without saying. I would say, yeah, hundred percent. Always give. You know, never expect to get.
1: Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. Okay. Um, Let's. Let's. uh, I mean, I love this. I really appreciate the shout out. Um, I'm, I'm. I'm. I wanna touch on so so the point of this podcast is about gtm strategies um so far you guys are you guys like your company i'm trying to like move away from these guys types of um you know things you folks at at the company um are really you you nailed your outbound stuff now i'm interested in like what is the state of let's say b2b marketing in your company is there any marketing being done right now and if so what does that look like and you know what the alignment looks like between sales and marketing which is probably even a bigger sticking point for uh, for 99% of b2b companies especially as they grow bigger they yeah. either start yeah. off either as outbound focused or content focused or yeah. like like you know marketing focused but then, like, how do you make that, you know, um, alignment between between the the functions? So I'm just curious to to understand what what's going on with you guys, you folks. Yeah, yeah that, that that's a great
0: that's a great question. So obviously we talked about SDR and account executive alignment, but then now we switch to sales and marketing alignment. Uh, we are uh, 100% uh, outbound focused. Mm-hmm. You know, all our uh, 11 SDRs, we do cold outreach pretty much. Mm-hmm. And from time to time, we would get some inbound leads from our website. Usually that happens when we release a new product or we have a, we get a public praise from some big, let's say, consultant, either individuals or companies. And that drives uh, traction uh, on our website and we start getting more leads. But basically, most of our, let's say, sales success comes from a cold outbound, you know. Uh, just recently we hired, I think a month ago, our marketing uh, uh, marketing manager guy and few other guys. So we are kind of building marketing marketing team because as you mentioned, as you guys, uh, as we grow, you need to start uh, having this marketing function in place. Uh, obviously we want to execute uh, marketing campaigns. We want to increase uh, lead gen, right? We want to increase our inbound uh, inbound calls. We understand that inbound leads are by default uh, more qualified than outbound leads. I can even tell you about the conversion. probably our inbound conversion rate is about 60%. While our outbound uh, conversion is uh, 35, we are are probably seeing close to 40, which means that we improve the quality of our work. We spend more time searching for the good leads, trying to understand pain points, crafting more personalized messages, but not just personalized messages. We also talk about relevancy over... Mm -hmm hyper-personalization. I usually uh, see people talking about personalization and with AI tool, now This is you can even do personalization at scale, which is fine. It's always good. But don't forget about relevancy. How is this relevant for me? Nice to personalize, but I want to also see the relevancy. How is that working in my particular case? So going back to marketing leads, uh, yeah, we want to increase the number of inbound leads because obviously they are more qualified and MQL marketing qualified leads, right? Uh, uh, the conversion rate is higher. We also want to uh, uh, do the rebranding. This is our next step, and we wanna we wanna promote these uh, product features releases, you know, so that we can uh, start targeting. Uh, uh, qualify accounts, you know, because uh, with, a, with a clear marketing function and with a more strategic marketing executions, definitely we are looking to decrease the enterprise sales cycles I mentioned earlier, uh, our hours is around six to nine months with uh, marketing efforts, I think we can decrease uh, sales cycles, which is always good. And we also can increase the annual contract value because, you know, targeting, um, you know, uh, uh, qualified accounts only, clearly communicating the benefits of the products and new releases. And uh, this all should uh, drive, you know, the traction on the website, bring more qualifying, uh, qualified inbound leads. As a result. So these are our plans for the marketing. I'm very, very excited about this. I love this.
1: It's I mean, you guys you, you your company is currently in a in an interesting period of implementing you know marketing as a as a B2B go to market function. And what I really love is that I mean at least you, but it's it seems like the whole company does yeah. understand the benefit and value of having such a, a, you know, an addition to whatever you're doing currently for your go to market. Um, and what I really love is that, um, it's not just about shorten the, the, the cycle. It's like shortening the cycle five X. It's like, yeah. if it takes you six months, it can take yeah. you a month. Yeah. Why are people uh, more inclined to spend more money because they trust you? Because you've built a bridge already. Because um, like sales cycles last for like six to twelve months because you're actually building trust. Um, and Absolutely. what marketing does is does it that does that on autopilot you, without yeah, the salespeople you, having to do it themselves,
0: yeah. right? Yeah, you just you just hit the, the target there. You know, you 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 mentioned probably one thing we. We haven't spoken about, yeah, and yeah. it's a building trust, and yeah. uh, and probably one of the biggest difference in tech sales with a uh, traditional sales is about building trust. You know, so it takes more time, and people ask me why do I uh, why why there is a need to build a personal brand on LinkedIn. You know, I usually ask these folks if you were uh, if Elon Musk wrote you on LinkedIn, would you respond? And I'm getting the answers, yes. And I say, you are, You don't have to be Elon Musk, right? But you are responding to people that are not strangers to you. Mm-hmm. So if you build your personal brand, if people know you before you even reach out to them, there is way more chances that they will respond. They will start conversation. You will start building trust. And over a course of you know certain period of time, that trust will result in, you know, new opportunities and new uh, new deals closed. So that's why there is the importance, you know, building building trust is the probably the most important thing. And usually, I see people that want to break into tech, but they come from some uh, uh, some traditional sales uh, sales industry. You know, they uh, they talk more about transactional sales. You know. Mm-hmm happens one, once, twice, three times, that's fine. And then you move on to the new customer. In tech sales, uh, you know, it's always about building trust. So this is a very good point. I don't think we mentioned uh, in this yeah. interview. I just don't want to finish the inter- interview without... no. I mentioned consistency several times, but like building trust is probably the next most important thing. Yeah, so good point there, Stefan.
1: Yeah, no, no, of course. I mean, that's how you and I built our relationship which is like you know you publish on linkedin i publish on linkedin um we exchanged a few notes here and there we had the the initial chat when you just broke in i was doing some other things that you know and and like over time you know i'm confident that i can call serba at any time and be like dude how do i i don't know like solve this challenge or can you talk to my audience and you know educate about how you guys are building your uh go-to-market function and stuff like that so you know building trust is, uh, is is everything and you know i i just love seeing uh, companies understand how important that is and we're moving away from that um i don't know, like pure cold outreach and just understanding how important it is to build to build trust at scale, yeah. we don't have to do sales at scale and personalize yeah. at scale, but we have to build yeah. trust at scale. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, um, I know we're we're uh, almost at the end of our our um, interview today. I want to thank you, and I want to make sure that you know. Is there a message that you would like to send to the audience to uh, to either you know SDRs who are striving to become uh, you know to to come to your place, or people who are striving to become you know leaders? or just how to build their their album sales motions like what would be your message
0: yeah but uh, i i i also maybe we i should mention i developed a three-week uh, sdr training program for people who want to break into tech tech and i'm doing this for free in my some in some free time usually on weekends late evenings uh, and they are really forgot, I'm sorry yeah and there are really two reasons people ask me why you do that you know it's a three week it's really extensive and i was able to put like on one place uh, during the course of three weeks like all important obviously SDR and prospecting tools, tech sales we use, how we execute the outbound strategies, multi-channel, multi-account, ICP personas, everything we mentioned here. But also I do provide some hiring opportunities. I do connect folks with some uh, recruiters from tech companies that I know. I also build trust over over the year with them. So I really help folks There are two reasons one reason is i remember myself some 15 months ago when i was thinking to break into tech i know this is a challenge it's not easy so one thing is i really want to help uh, people who want to break into tech i think i have enough skills and expertise so that i can really present that in a rather short uh, period of time. It doesn't have to last, I don't know, several months or so. It's rather three weeks. And the second thing, to be very honest, you know, I want to build a pool of candidates because SDR is always searching for the qualified, you know, SDRs who can ramp up fast. And from my course, I usually take one or two SDRs that I think I think they can fit to whatever uh, requirements for our jobs. So those are my reasons, you know. That nothing oh, more than yeah. that. Yeah, and yeah, for some message, uh, yeah, I mean uh, I would be happy to chat with uh, with people listening at this interview, you know. So. Please feel free to reach out uh, my LinkedIn mainly. I'm mostly active there. Uh, also, yes, you can read my posts. They are usually interested. I talk about sales stuff. I talk about uh, go-to-market strategies, uh, different tech sales uh, ideas, hints, insights. The most important thing is I talk firsthand experience only. So everything I write on LinkedIn, it's it really happened to me. Maybe it didn't work well. But I also share with my audience or if something uh, worked well, well, I share with my audience so the, the other folks don't have to waste time or something. So always share and always give more than you get. You know, I usually say give, give and don't expect anything to get in the return. And the miracle will happen when you don't expect anything in the return. So that would be my message and invest in yourself, really spend time. You know, I see new guys, they keep telling me, I want to break into tech. I need this job. I just need to support my family. I need to start making money. I want this so bad. And then, you know, you send them over several books or you refer to some good podcast. They could listen at the evenings or the mornings, Uh, different Slack uh, communities, things like that. They don't want to do this, you know? And I keep saying, you know, guys, this is the fastest growing industry. If you don't want to invest in yourself, I mean, I cannot help you, and when I say investing, in yourself, I always think about mental health as well. Stefan, we did not mention that, you know, it's not just a professionally developing yourself, but, you know, establishing these healthy routines like having a breakfast or maybe exercise regularly, meditate or pray or whatever you might do, you know, doing exercise regularly, you know, just going for a walk, you know, 10-15 minutes, half an hour a day, that's so important. Because, you know, if you feel good about yourself, you'll be successful at your work. All my SDRs, when I talk with SDRs, we don't just look at the numbers and, like, did they hit the quota or not. But I also talk about their well-being because there are maybe some personal issues they might have at home that's affecting their performers. So if you are a sales leader, you know, don't just look at numbers. Numbers are always there. They are very important. I understand that part. you know what you talk with humans and you want to check on their mental health and you're gonna check and see if there is anything you can help them with because if you help them overcome some either personal issues they'll come back 10 times stronger and they'll nail their targets next month i i i I guarantee on this Uh, so So that would be my message maybe for the okay
1: spoken like a true Leader, I really appreciate you and sharing your wisdom and experience and uh, sharing how you deal with leading people, inspiring people, and honestly leading by example, which is not that common these days. Everybody's an expert until they actually have to do it themselves. So um, it's been a pleasure sort of talking to you and, uh, you know, exchanging thoughts and ideas and we should do this more often if not, if not on the podcast, but offline as well. And, yeah. uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your message. Uh, hope our audience has enjoyed as much as we did making it.
0: Yeah. Same here. Thank you for having me. And I I just hope that your audience uh, learned something out of this conversation. I think they did. That would make me the most happiest man in the world.